Please join me in a spirit of prayer. Gracious and holy God, I give you thanks for this beautiful day and this beautiful moment to sit in your word and find our souls refreshed and revived by the sweetness of your good news and grace. Bless all who gather that we may be lifted up and restored so our lives may be a tribute to you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, good morning. I just ran in from our first in-person tent worship. As we prepared the tent yesterday, I was reminded that God prefers worshiping in a tent. If you go back in the Torah to right after God liberated the Israelites from Egypt, the first sanctuary was a tent, the tent of meeting that traveled through the wilderness with the Israelites. And in fact, God's arm had to be twisted to finally agree to have a temple. God liked the tent better because God is mobile. God is out in the world. God is sovereign and free and not a big fan of stone walls, it seems. So our tent reminds me of the most basic way you worship God, outdoors and on the move. Today's scripture from the gospel reminds me of one of my favorite summer experiences. On a hot day like today, when I'm out pushing the lawnmower, working up a sweat, getting grimy and dirty, weeding the flower beds and weeding the vegetable garden, one of my favorite things is when someone I love, my wife or my kids, brings me a cold glass of water. A nice cold glass of water perspiring on the outside on a humid day. I drink it down as fast as I can and it refreshes my body and it refreshes my spirit too. The cold water refreshes the body and just the sheer act of someone thinking about me someone considering my needs, someone remembering me, refreshes the spirit and revives the soul. To be considered, to be thought of, to be loved in a material way is such an uplift for the spirit. And I happily push that mower the rest of the day. Jesus tells us in the gospel that sharing in the kingdom of God is as easy as sharing a cold glass of water with one of these little ones. Sharing a cold glass of water with one of these little ones is the fulfillment of God's reign. I think Jesus points out that it's for the little ones, because he's directing the disciples to serve 
children with no hope for reward, with no hope for recompense or return. This is a pure act of giving, a pure act of generosity, a pure act of service. And when Jesus uses the language of reward, he's simply meaning this, is that when we act in generosity and kindness this way, we are fully in the presence of our generous servant God. We are fully in the eternal life that we know in Christ, the one who lives for others, the one whose life is service. What is our reward? Our reward is participating in that life and even the simplest act of sharing that glass of water. I think this story could be retold for the present moment. We could simply say, whoever puts on a mask, whoever does the simple act of putting on a mask to protect the least of these has come into their reward. Whoever is considering the good of the other, whoever is thinking about the good of another person who is protecting them and taking on a small sacrifice, a small act of sacrifice like putting on a mask, an inconvenience, that is an act that participates in the life of our generous life-giving God. We're in a time of many sacrifices. And to endure in sacrifice, we need to know who's, in whose name we live. We need to know from where we find our life. We find our life in the sacrificial goodness of God. And so when we sacrifice, we know we are participating in God's life. And there have been sacrifices. We have not seen the people we love. We have not seen our children, our grandchildren. We have not seen our parents. We have not seen people at work. We have given up our workplace. We've given up our place of worship. We've given up our holy communion for now. These are sacrifices that hurt us that have a toll, that we endure. And we endure them inspired and in the spirit of the one who gave his life for us, whose life is a gift for us. This is our good news that sustains us as we care for one another through courageous sacrifice. I really believe that now is our moment, my friends. Now is a time when we followers of Jesus Christ have something to share, something that will sustain our practice of sacrifice. I don't think the secular world has it to give. It's greatly worrying to watch the story 
that comes out of secular voices. The story of selfishness, the story that rebels against the slightest sacrifice being asked for the common good. I was in 7-Eleven at the beginning of the pandemic and I was wearing a mask and doing distancing. There was one fellow in there who was doing none of those things and spouting out loudly about how all this talk about the common good is communism. It's the teaching of Marx and Pol Pot. He was a little unhinged, I gotta say. And I did not confront him because I didn't need that that morning. But we can look around ourselves and see the forces that have no capacity to think of others with loving kindness. And so we must share our story, our story of loving sacrifice for the other as a counter example that will save the most vulnerable during this painful time. I can be accused of being a bright side sort of person, looking at the bright side of things, but that's only because I sincerely and deeply believe in the good news. I sincerely and deeply believe that the Jesus Christ raised from the dead has overcome everything that separates us from God's love, has, separate, has overcome every obstacle between us and God and has overcome everything that opposes God's way so that we are free to live to God and God's way in the world. That is good news. That is a cause for celebration that empowers us to make sacrifice and to believe in the good. That empowers me to look around and see all those people wearing masks in our tent this morning and say, thanks be to God for your love and caring for your neighbor. Thanks be to God for your small sacrifice that saves lives. Thanks be to God for taking on inconvenience for the good of others. Friends, this is our core life as followers of the teaching of Jesus Christ is to endure and accept sacrifice to testify for a life to a life bigger than our own. I've been following a columnist for the New York times now named Ross Douthit. I don't always agree with him, but he always makes me think he has a current book out called decadence. His definition of decadence is simply this, morally listless affluence, morally listless affluence. And what he's diagnosing is a condition of our secular society that has nothing better to teach us than accumulation, consumerism, and selfish, practices that lead to our own leisure and our own wealth accumulation. His diagnosis is that 
when we are well trained by that secular teaching of morally listless, that morally listless affluence, our values fall in line. We're selfish, we're grudging, we refuse to care for the other. And this decadence we see around us displayed by anyone who can only think of themselves and complains about the smallest inconvenience. We have a better story and Douthit wants us to tell it. He wants us to direct people to a story that has a greater purpose, a greater meaning, a greater project. The secular story is so limited. It doesn't inspire us to the common good. It doesn't inspire us to the liberation of all people. It doesn't inspire us to the good shared by all. Our story does orient us to a project that's worthy, a project that inspires, a project that decenters us from ourselves and centers us on God's purpose. That is our calling, my friends. So that when we offer that glass of water, we're not just offering something that's good for the body, we're offering a story that goes along with it. Because we come in the name of, like the gospel repeats over and over, we come in the name of, we come in the name of Jesus with that glass of water. And we revive the body and the soul. We revive the body and the spirit by sharing the glass in the name of Christ. Episcopalians are famous for stopping at the good work and never naming the one who taught them. I would like to see us push past that to offer the service and name the one we serve. Because what if that thirsty person isn't just physically thirsty? What if they're spiritually thirsty? What if they're looking for a greater purpose, a greater project? What if they want to be in spiritual community for the good of their souls? And we have withheld an important fact about why we help others, why we seek out the common good. And I know why Episcopalians hold back, because we don't want to be seen as one of those Christians. Well, why do those Christians get all the bandwidth? Why are they taking up the world stage? Because we are so quiet. Because we are withholding the fullness of what we know in Jesus Christ. We are the alternative story. We are the ones who can point people toward the loving, gentle generosity that is inclusive and beloved in Christ. If we can uncover and come out as people of faith who serve and serve in the name of Jesus. 
The one who welcomes Jesus welcomes God. The one who welcomes me welcomes Jesus. This is the transitive property of faith. And we are part of that transition. We are part of that transformation. We are part of that transitive property of faith, helping people see who God truly is by our generous acts of service and sacrifice and our gentle testimony that we were taught to do so by the one who made the ultimate sacrifice. In Christ's name, amen.